Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. Today is episode 1911. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington, and welcome to Women Football Success. I apologize because I'm still having this throat issue, and I have this big lozenger in my mouth, and so it sounds probably weird on the recording. But I have to do something to be able to get through this without coughing the whole time. So, that's my solution. Again, welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. Today, we are going to talk about everything having to do with game day. So, I'm going to share with you leading up to game day and what to do during game day. And hopefully, for those people that this is maybe your first season of playing women's football and preparing for your home games, this will help to get you ready. We still have two weeks before the first games start. So I think that this is a perfect time to kind of lock in everything and start getting you ready for game day. Real quick, again, this is episode 1911. And my disclaimer is I am an attorney licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. I'm also a business owner, a co-owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team. But all of the information that I provide here on the radio show or on the website or on the blogs or in the digital or print materials is all information for business only. It does not create an attorney-client relationship. Therefore, I do not represent you as an attorney. If you have an issue that needs the attention of an attorney, please seek out an attorney with um, experience in the type of law that you have a problem in and make sure that they are licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. With that being said, let's get going. So I'm sure everybody is starting to get super excited about women's football. Right now is about the time when either people are really excited or really nervous because they start to realize what they have not done already or um, everything's falling into place. So I'm going to kind of go over some of the things leading up like the next two weeks, um, what I do, what a lot of the other um, business owners do and kind of hopefully ease your mind. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, you can always review it at the end and, and find out what you didn't do correctly and try to fix it for the next game. But there are several things that um, if you do them in a systematic approach, um, things can work out very smoothly, even on your first home game, uh, hosting your first home game. So I have faith in you guys that you'll be able to um, ease into this first home game if you are the host and really um, kind of set a precedent or, or set a standard for how you're gonna do things. Now, you'll hear stories about how this team did this or that team did that or back in the day we did this or whatever. Um, you, of course, can listen to that information and it's great information to have, but um, you don't have to do things the same way other teams did. Um, you can start out hosting your games um, with a very, uh, I guess, scripted approach and things can run very smoothly. So I'm going to talk to you about a couple um, things that we do and that uh, other teams do and that you should do 
And then we'll put that out there for, for the teams coming into game day. So these last two weeks um, are kind of the last minute things is what I call them. So uh, it's a good time to call on your stadium and verify that you're still set up for the date and time. And call your referees and make sure that you do have a referee crew. Now, sometimes you need a, a, a five-man, a six-man, or seven-man, depending on your stadium setup. Some of the stadiums require that you have one of the referees be the uh, game clock operator. Some stadiums will say, no, we will provide our own game clock operator because in the past they've had people mess up the, the clock system. And that's fine. Um, Sometimes that's included in your stadium fee. Sometimes they want you to pay that person $75, $50, whatever it is, um, for that position. Also, your announcer. Now, again, this is another thing that some stadiums require um, it be their announcer or somebody that they know stay in the announcer's booth because of the computer systems. Um, they, want some, they want somebody that they know is experienced on their systems that won't mess it up. And again, they may require that you pay that person 50 or $75, or they may um, have that included in your stadium costs. These last minute things also include calling on your team doctor or your athletic trainer. You know, a lot of times people have gotten a sponsorship for their team doctor, or they have an athletic training group that's coming in. It's really important to make sure that you have them set up for that first game. And also, um, some things that uh, get missed in the contract that you guys set up is who's supplying the tape. So if you're having a group of athletic trainers come, they may be expecting that you are going to buy all the tape for taping the ankles of the players, or they may be bringing it. Um, this isn't a super expensive expense, but it can be a couple hundred dollars. Um over you know the first two games, I I suggest buying in bulk. You can buy like um, packages of twelve rolls of tape at a time, or you can do um, I think it's sixty rolls at a time. If you can, it, you get more bang for your buck if you buy sixty, of course, because the price is a little cheaper per roll. But um, sometimes the way that funding is going. Um, you might not have the funds available to put, you know, two or $300 into taping. You might only be able to, you know, do 75 bucks before each game. So however you need to do that. But you need to know who's supplying the tape. Because if the tr athletic trainers think you're supplying it and you think they're supplying it, there's going to be no tape there on game day. Um, and a lot of the girls really need to be taped up. Um, for some girls, it's optional, but most of the girls that have played before, Really like to get tape, um, ankles and wrists. Um, okay, so let's talk about getting to the game. Okay, so we've checked on our referees, we've checked on our stadium, we've checked on our announcers, uh, team doctor, such. Oh, I want to kind of go back to the stadium real quick, just for a second. You need to make sure before you get to the stadium that you've provided them with all documentation that you're supposed to. Um, some stadiums require a signing of a waiver. 
Other stadiums require a copy of your insurance from your uh, league, etc. Um, so a lot of times you need to su supply that to them. And they typically want that um, before anybody comes into the field. Okay. So let's get back to it. So arriving at the game. So typically support staff um, arrive at the stadium three hours before kickoff, sometimes three and a half, depending on how much you have to do. This includes setting up, uh, putting water, uh, five gallon water coolers um, in the lock in each locker room and five gallon water coolers at each uh, sideline. Um, you can get these water coolers at Walmart. You can probably get some used ones at um, a used sporting goods store, but typically they're going to be about $30 to $50 per water jug. So um, some people have changed this up and tried to do water bottles. Um, really, it's cheaper for you to go ahead and invest in the water jugs. Um, so I always make sure I have, I think I have six water jugs. I might have seven water jugs because I put two on each sideline, two water jugs on each sideline, and then one in each locker room. Because when it gets to game time, they really need to have more water outside than they do in the locker room. Now, if you don't have six or seven jugs, maybe you only have four, then you'll have one on the sideline and one in the locker room. Also note that sometimes, depending on the team, they may, or you may, want to put their locker room water on their sideline. So sometimes the away team does not want to go walk all the way across the field again to go into their locker room. And so they will either meet on their sideline or meet in an end zone. In that case, you want to know that beforehand, and then you can actually have the both of the waters put on their sideline if they're not planning on going back into the locker room, okay? Um, so get you'll want to get with the other team and, you know, every we're all professionals here, so the the owners and the, the support staff can work together. The only time that we are in a battle, and it's not really a fight, it's a battle, is on the football field. So other than that, we should be cordial and uh, very professional with all the other team support staff and players, etc., coaches. But ask them, well, you know, do you guys plan go back, going back to the locker room um, during halftime? And if they are, then let them know that you will have a fresh water in there. Now, some teams bring their own water, whether it's because they're nervous that you put something in their water or they just um, have always done it that way. That's fine too, but you can um, show, you know, a courtesy and say, we'll have water's already in there, um, but you're welcome to get your own. So there's a variation of that, but you wanna know what the other team wants so that you can ba basically host them at your game. So after we've set up all the waters on both the sidelines, um, we typically send up the game day music, the national anthem, etc., up to the announcer's booth. Now, we assign this to a person to make sure that, you know, each person isn't just running around in circles. So we assign these tasks to different people. And so one person is responsible for 
getting the music up to the announcer's booth, along with drinks and snacks. So we have these little smaller coolers. Um, I guess you could equate them to um, the cheapo coolers at Walmart that you get. They're like the styrofoam. I think they're $2.50. So I typically buy those and we put ice in there and we put some water and soda. And then um, we also put some bags of chips and some granola bar or something like that. And that goes up to the announcer. And I also have one delivered to the people that are doing the time clock. Typically it's the same person that delivers the music and the drinks because um, that way only one person is having to climb all the steps. Um, okay, so next, you also want to get drinks and snacks to the official's dressing room. The, dress, the, the officials will start arriving probably about an hour before the game, maybe an hour and a half, some 15 minutes, but hopefully it's about an hour before the game. And we like to have some drinks and snacks in the officials' dressing room as well. So that would mean you need at least three of those card uh, styrofoam coolers. I'm trying to think of if there's any more. I mean, typically, sometimes I'll do a, a fourth one and send some drinks to the, the gate. And that way, nobody has to leave the gate. Now, if the concession stand is really close to the gate, then you probably don't have to worry about that. They can probably get you know, a water and a chip from, from the concession stand. But however you want to set that up. Okay, so then <clears throat> they're setting up the concession stand. Now, we've talked about this a little bit before about the, the different foods that you can have at the concession stand. My recommendation is to have really good food. Um, when you have really good food, you make the sales. If it's constantly just the same plain stuff and the same nacho cheese out of a can and it hasn't been doctored up and it has hasn't been um really taste you know made tasty and made good um, then you'll sell less stuff but setting up your concession stand and this will also depend on whether your stadium allows you to have the concession stand some some games they run the concession stand so you don't have to do that so in some cases it can be a burden to have a concession stand in some cases it can actually be a money maker so if you have the opportunity to do the concession stand, make sure that you do it big. Make sure you do it well. And we have a lot of um, pictures online about concession stands or even making your own concession stands, um, making your own tables and such. And such. Um, so if that's something you want to do, go ahead and check those resources out. But um, the next step after getting the drinks and snacks to the officials dressing room is to set up that concession stand. Start getting things plugged in. And this actually, when you talk about concession stands, this starts a week ahead of time, right? So you're going and getting the product for your concession stand, making sure, you know, not to forget anything. Because if you, if you buy hot dogs, but you forget the buns, or you buy the buns and forget the hot dogs, you can't sell anything. You just have a bunch of whatever sitting there. So again, this needs to be a systematic process. And we talked about this um, several months ago. Um, I may make next week's episode specifically about the details of what happens the um, leading up to it. But you want to come up with a kind of a game plan of what you're going to buy, how much you're going to spend, uh, what things you're going to have. Um, on these hot summer days, I would make sure that I had 
an overabundance of water and sodas and uh, Gatorades to sell because people buy a lot of them. And, um, you know, with your games typically starting at seven, um, typically they want um, a good meal food. Um, so whether that's hot dogs or hot dogs and hamburgers or nachos or all the above, all of the above, um, you need to decide that. Um, and that is also going to depend on your uh, manning, how many people you have to work at the concession stand. If you only have one person or two people to work at the concession stand, then it might be difficult to have three main dishes, nachos, hot dogs, and hamburgers or something like that. But um, you could pull it off. But you guys need to know how many people you have to man the concession stand. Next, after we've set up the concession stand, we go and set up the gate. <clears throat> Nobody should be coming through the gate except for the players while you're doing all this stuff. So, um, and the coaches, right? So the gate, it should be kept closed or monitored because some people will try to come in the gate before time so that they can get in for free. Um, this is one of my pet peeves. It really, really irritates me um, because I'm a very giving person and I, I understand that if you've done stuff for the team that will probably let you in. But when people start sneaking into the, the gate, it really bothers me that you, you feel that you um, need something else from this team. So anyway, that's just me. I, you know, I don't want people stepping on my players and stepping on my coaches uh, because they think that they should get in for free. Anyway, moving on. Hold on just a second. My wire just fell. My electric cord just fell on the floor. <clears throat> okay, so setting up the gate. So typically I do it with either a cash bag or a cash box. Um, I also have a file box there. So depending on how you guys wanna do things, um, a lot of the teams these days are um, have the ability to sell game day tickets online. Most of them do anyway. And so sometimes people will buy their ticket online and either print off a receipt and bring it, or they will come to Will Call to get their tickets, whether they bought season tickets or just an individual game day ticket, right? So the file box has all the individual uh, Will Call tickets by person, by player. And then of course I have my gate personnel. I typically have three people at the gate. Sorry, my throat's getting so sore. I'm gonna have to get another one of these mints in. Uh, <clears throat> so I have three people working the gate. Um, we have the ability to take credit cards at the gate. If you don't know, if you don't have the ability to take credit cards at the gate and you want to, go ahead and reach out to me and I'll tell you step by step through that process. But most of the teams have already set up with the ability to take credit cards at the gate. When it comes to the gate, I like to set it up where it's a, a table or sometimes some of the stadiums have a booth that you're supposed to sit in and that's great. But if you're outside like one of our stadiums, um, I typically set it up where there's two lines. So somebody can come through the left and somebody can come through the right. And then I have the middle person um, handling the ticket, will calls in the middle. So the two people on the outsides can take money and the person in the middle 
is finding tickets that have already been purchased. Make sense? Okay, so um, one of the big, big things that I want to talk to you about at the gate that a lot of teams are not doing is keeping track of tickets. So whether you have a an adult ticket and a child ticket, a season pass ticket, or some variation of those, you rip off half the ticket and you keep it. Or you have some kind of counter, a clicker or whatever you wanted to use. My best way is ticket, rip ticket. This tells me exactly how many people came through, tells me how much money I should have in the drawers. Um, and it allows me to compare from last year to this year for, you know, game day. Um, if I've moved stadiums, it might increase or decrease the number of sales that I have. All these different things, okay? Typically, the average team these days is getting between 200, let's say the average is 200, 200 to 250 people in the stands per game. So those two uh, people that are taking money and the person that's doing the will call tickets, they're busy that 45 minutes or so before the game starts and typically um, through to the first half. Um, some teams stop handing out tickets at the end of the third quarter um, and just just end up leaving the the gate so that and people can come in at that point. Um, some teams say no, that's the that's the highlight, that's the climax of the game, and so they actually sell tickets through to the end of the game. And you could probably, I mean, to be honest with you, from third quarter, the end of third quarter to the end of fourth quarter. Um, you could probably sell another 15 tickets, 20 tickets, maybe. Um, but that's $200, right? So um, that all depends on you guys. Okay, so you, you're going to need uh, gate personnel. I say a minimum of two or three. Concession stands, you're going to need personnel there. Um, I typically, ideally, four is good. Any less than four and you're you're kind of running around if you have good food to sell, right? Okay, you also need a rover. Now, whether this is the owner of the team or it is a support staff person, but this person either goes and checks the waters that I talked about earlier, or this person is what I call a verifier. So they might have a teenager that's going and doing the waters in the locker rooms and such, and then the rover is the one that just goes and checks to make sure the job has been done. So those are two options. Now, if you don't have that many personnel or potential people to help you, then the rover will probably be the one um, going and checking water. Now, typically, if the concession stand's running slow or the gate's running slow, um, this might be one of those workers from the concession stand or gate going and checking the water, right? So... Just depends on how you guys have set up, but hopefully everybody's uh, been able to get enough kind of support staff to um, get that going. You haven't have enough people to do that. So let's kind of go through just during the game. So the rover is kind of rotating through, checking on everybody. If any, 
sometimes uh, somebody say, oh, we're running out of something and somebody will run to the store. Typically, if you have done your, uh, gotten your inventory right or, or well, or you, you've guessed, guesstimated, <laughs> um, then everything will be fine. You may run out of something. You may sell out of something that first uh, game, but hopefully, hopefully you've got it right on. With that being said, typically with about 10 minutes left in the second quarter, so so typically right into second quarter, our rover goes and checks with concessions to make sure that they have enough food prepped for halftime. So typically when people are coming in right at the beginning, they actually kind of stop by the concession stand and get some drinks, Gatorade or whatever. Um, but then, and then they kind of, all the hot dogs and everything that have been heated up might be dwindling already. So I always check to make sure that the food at the concession stand is prepped and ready to go. Make sure that they've set up the concession stand correctly so that they have kind of areas, um, workstations that they can work with. Then we go in and check the locker rooms. Now we had already placed water in the locker rooms before the game, right? So we're gonna check and see how much of that water has been used, if we need to refill it. Um, and then we make sure that we put out oranges and bananas for halftime. This is why you need to know from the other team, whether they're going back in the locker room during halftime or not. Because if they're gonna stay on the sideline, then we would take these oranges and bananas over to the sideline when we check the sideline water, right? But if not, then um, we'll put it into the locker room and have it there waiting for them. So toward the end of the second quarter, if you know that they're gonna be eating their oranges and bananas outside, then I would start doing their water replacement on the sidelines towards the end of the second quarter. If they're gonna be staying there, I would replenish it before halftime starts so that they can go through it during halftime and really get cooled down and give them their oranges and bananas then. But if not, then during the halftime, while all the teams go back to the locker room, you are replenishing the water on the sidelines. So this is typically where the additional um, coolers come in. Now, I understand that some teams, you know, a lot of teams don't have seven and eight coolers their first year. That's fine. You guys will you'll figure out a system on how to get this done. Um, and then each year you'll buy a couple more coolers. That's fine. But if you have a seventh and eighth cooler or a fifth and sixth cooler, depending on how many you put outside and inside, then I would get those filled up first so that you're not taking several trips back and forth so that you can put refills on the sidelines and take the empties back, fill those up, maybe put those back in the locker room and I'll talk about that in a minute. So towards the end of the second quarter or during the halftime, you will be checking the water on both sidelines and refilling. Once the teams are back on the field and getting warmed up for the second half, getting ready for the second half, then you can go back into the locker rooms and make sure however much they drank in the locker room, um, they may have emptied it out. Same thing on the sidelines. If you took the water to the sidelines at halftime because they stayed outside and they chugged down all the water during halftime, which they probably should do, you know, getting 
tired and kind of replenishing and etc. You're going to want to go back to that sideline right at the end of the halftime and replenish that water so that they have plenty of water for the third and fourth quarter. Okay. That is typically what we make sure happens. Now, once the game is over, um, we typically clap hands, uh, go to the middle of the field. They'll, typically, some people will talk a little bit. Um, sometimes there's a team, uh, a two-team prayer. We pray together. or you know, It's a sign of uh, everybody working together for women's football. And then we uh, get everybody either take showers or gets ready to go. And then we typically go to the after party and we invite the other team to go with us. We do this even before the game starts so they know exactly where that's at. If they want to come, um, a lot of the women know each other from years past. And so they'll, they'll want to go and uh, visit and chat at the after party together. So that's typically kind of the, the process in itself. There's a couple things that I left out that I want to share here because these are kind of not optional, but some teams have these and some teams don't. So one of them is radios. Um, so in this setup process, it has nothing to do with setting up the water. It has nothing to do with setting up concession stands, etc. It's It typically is the coaching staff that deals with this separate kind of setup. And so I want to share this. So the coaches are typically uh, talking to the players, getting last minute things done, making sure that the players get out there and get warmed up and get stretched, etc. But um, if your team is going to use radios and have some people up in the uh, box, kind of communicating down to the sidelines, then you need to make sure that the radios are distributed properly. Um, you want to make sure that during that three hour before kickoff, Make sure everything's charged up and good to go. What we do on our team is we have extra batteries set up. So the batteries are charging during the whole first half. At halftime, the person from the box that's been charging things, because the box usually has a plug of some sort, the coaches that are up in the box have been charging the extra batteries for the first two quarters when they come down to the locker room at halftime and have their talk and discussion, everybody switches out batteries. The, the uh, person that was up in the box takes the old batteries and takes them back up to the box with them when they go get ready for third quarter um, and charges them again. So if you have that situation, uh, that's good. The other thing is not just the water on the sidelines, but the um, squirt bottles. Um, I typically recommend having eight, a set of eight, rather, or I'm sorry, a set of 12. So typically there's six in each carrying case. And so I would have two minimum um, on the sideline field. Other support staff or other people that you're going to want to have ready to go on game day <clears throat> um, is chain gang crew. and a water boy or water girl or multiple. So chain gang crew in the WFA um, has an age limit. They must be 16 years or older to work on the chain crew. And that is three people. 
I want to recommend that you don't wait until game day or the start of the game to try and find these people. I think that you want to have them picked out and selected prior to so that they know that they need to come to the game and that they're going to be doing that job and make sure that they know what the job is. There, you know, there's, there have been a couple of games in the past that things, uh, the momentum, the whole game has changed because the chain gang crew did not uh, mark things correctly or did not pull things out. I apologize. I'm, I'm here at uh, Coach's house and the dog is barking in the background because my daughter's playing with it. So I apologize if you hear that, but we're a family-owned business, so just got to deal with it. Anyway, um, the chain gang crew, uh, one of the scenarios was that the, the chain wasn't pulled tight enough. Um, somebody got a first down, even though they shouldn't have gotten a first down because the marker was in uh, the wrong spot. The chain was loose, and so it was only about nine yards to a first down instead of uh, ten. Um, the other situation has been people have moved the markers. They weren't moved back correctly. So uh, the WFA has put in place a rule that the chain gang uh, must be 16 years or older. Okay, also, water girls or water boys. It's fabulous to have family and friends be water girl or water boy, but they also have to understand their responsibility and how important it is to get the water in and out of the game as fast as possible, okay? There are certain times when somebody calls a timeout that the water girl or water boy has to be prepared to run out there quickly with full waters, get everybody drinks, and get back off the field. So they have to know the urgency of getting on and off the field, and they have to know the urgency of having those waters ready to go at all times, okay? Now, depending on the pace of the game, um, you may only need four or five water bottles. But sometimes, you know, down here in Texas, I mean, it can be 112 on the football field, on the turf. And so these girls are sweating so bad. So um, with that being said, I want to share another little tip. Um, I've gone back to water or yellow Gatorade or the clear, the white, the clear Gatorade. The reason why, and you could do whatever you want, but I'll share this with you and hopefully it won't cost, you know, it'll save you some money. But um, we have had in the past where um, we've been donated red or blue Gatorade and it dyes the white jerseys. So <clears throat> I recommend if you're going to do Gatorade, if you feel you have to do a Gatorade or a Powerade, that you pick a light color that won't stain the jersey. We've just gone back to plain water um, out on the field um, because it's just, it's cleaner. We know it's not going to stain anything. Uh, now, if you want to have some Gatorades in the locker room at halftime, you can certainly do that. Now, this the, the standard that I'm telling you about, the water jugs and, and that kind of thing, now you can do other things. You don't have to just do um, oranges and bananas. Um, you can do other things. You can actually display them nicely. Um, you don't just have to drop off some bags or whatever. Um, it's really up to you. Um, and it typically depends on time. Sometimes we don't have time. We're just like, here's the bag. <laughs> Thank you for coming. But I, I made sure I got you oranges, right? Um, 
but other times we have time to uh, really spend a little bit of time and, and do something for both teams. Um, but with that being said, those were just a couple other things I wanted to make sure I checked, uh, I got checked off there. Uh, the chain gang, the water boy or girl, um, and the Gatorade issue. Uh, and I say it's not Gatorade, it's Powerade, uh, Powerade and Gatorade, um, that could possibly dye your, your uniforms and then they've ruined everything. Um, I think that's about it for today. Um, next week, I will definitely go into the, the details um, of some of these things, but um, I think we've been pretty detailed. Um, I will recommend some teams have done really, really well, and they actually have this process set up like an Excel spreadsheet. Um, shout out to the Austin Outlaws. Um, there's one other team that we did that that did this, but they've, you know, the Austin Outlaws have been doing this 20 years. And so they have the system down. Um, it's very smooth run the way that they uh, host their games and also the way that they uh, arrive or be our visitors um, for the home team. They have a really good system about it. But um, the way they do it is it's a um, Excel spreadsheet and it talks about, so set up concession stand and then it has a, uh, title of who is doing that and then it has the person that has the title so it might say set up concessions uh, director of concessions Janet and then set up gate director of gate Annabelle whatever it is um, and that way um, everybody knows and then she does a print off of the coaches are responsible for the headsets and the the water people are responsible for putting the water on the sidelines and filling up the water bottles and the water in the locker rooms. So they have it all set up. Um, who's supposed to bring the, the gate money? Who's supposed to bring the concession money? Uh, how many uh, coolers? Uh, you know, if Janet's the one that's um, got the coolers in her garage, then she makes sure that Janet knows she needs to bring four coolers. Um, and then Samantha might have four coolers in her garage. So then each one brings... Therefore, everybody's responsible for everything and they have their eight coolers. So um, you can make it very systematic. The cool thing about it is once you do it, um, if you don't like something, you just change a couple lines, a couple, you know, a couple areas in your table and save it and you are good to go for your next game and years to come. So it's a very good way to do it. Um, last but not least, let me see how much time I got. Last but not least, um, I also create a script for the announcer. Um, so it's very difficult for you to accomplish all the tasks that you promised to, to your uh, sponsors if you don't have a script for your announcer. So a lot of our um, sponsorship packages include... Um, what you call it, include uh, game day announcements, like your name will be announced at the, at the game because you're a such and such sponsor. If you just give the, give the announcer Johnson's Family Clinic and Lee's Pool Service, they're not sure what to say about those things unless you tell them this is the 
halftime sponsor, this is the coin toss sponsor, whatever, and what that means or what that includes. So I provide a script and I make sure if I've told these people that they're going to be mentioned six times during the game, then I have a, a Lee's pool service, one, two, three, four, five, six, up next to their name. And that way my announcer can scratch off each time he mentions them to make sure that he does at least six times. If he does a seventh, that's fine, but we've at least met our obligation of, uh, what we said we were going to do when we got when we got them as a sponsor. Um, we also make sure that in that script that we announce any after parties that are happening, um, any upcoming events. If we have a fundraiser coming up the next Tuesday or the next week, um, then we let people know about that. We also let people know about the next two games. So even if it's an away game, we'll tell people. Um, Next weekend, the Dallas Elite travel to wherever. Um, if you'd like to go with them, uh, travel down with their caravan on Friday night. They'll be coming back Sunday or what, however you want to say it. And then tell them, but the next week is such and such, um, their next home game. So you always want to get to mention the next home game and make sure that you list out any location changes or time changes. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. Um, I'm really excited for the season coming up. And I think that everyone's going to do a great job. Um, I'm really happy to see um, all of the teams kind of um, reaching out and asking questions because it's super important that um, everybody that in women's football, everyone that is in women's football um, kind of try to provide a similar product at the stadium. So if they go to a game in Ohio or Texas or Colorado or Washington, that it's pretty similar. So I'm really excited. Um, I, I think it's going to be really good. And um, I hope that you guys have a great week. If you have any specific questions for me, um, one of the things I talked to you about was um, accepting credit cards at the field. Um, if you don't do that and want to do that, I will share with you two or three ways to do that. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for joining me with Women's Football Success and making it um, the one of the leading um, areas for gaining resources about women's football. The idea is just to get um, women's football to be successful um, on all levels. Um, women's football does have the ability to be profitable as a business. Women's football does have the ability to get coaches some good quality coaching time. And it also has the ability to make players really good players that can make history and hopefully uh, move women's football further and uh, change the direction um, and make a lot of people very successful, whether that be um, in their own personal lives or um, in the football arena. Again, I appreciate you guys' time. If you have any questions or you have some topics that you want me to talk about, for sure, I've had a couple people send some stuff, so those are coming up here in the next couple of weeks. But you guys have a great week, and uh, we'll see you on the football field. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.